Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your only source for quality Catholic nerdery. Mm -hmm. This is this is Scott (laughs) and Colby and Mary and Cody. Have we cool researched? So we're we... done. Have we researched that <laughs> we're right. the only? <laughs> well, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know for a fact that we're the only ones that make this claim to fame? Colby told me to say that, so I'm relying on his. Uh, yeah, research. and I mean, a a a historical figure once said, "If you say something long enough and loud enough, eventually people will believe yeah. it." Isn't that Michael Scott? <laughs> yeah, and if okay. you, mm-hmm. and if, <laughs> sure. yes. if you hear it on a podcast, it must mm. be true. You know. That reminds me of the uh, is that Winston Churchill quote, or maybe it's Voltaire. Who knows? Um, That uh, (laughs) a lot (laughs) clearly your only source for these things. That the the a lie can go completely around the world while the truth is still putting its pants on. Oh wow! Hey. That that kind of reminds me of um, I don't. We may actually have different takes on this, but that Covington Catholic boy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, from the March yeah. for Life, and you know. read a little yeah. bit about that. But yeah, I saw another yeah. thing today about the uh, the Native American gentleman that was in the quote unquote confrontation. Did you you saw the thing where he was like int- in, interrupting a mass at the Nath- National Cathedral or something like that? No, I did not I see, yeah. that. see that. I saw supposedly his military background was in question that. Uh, news reporters are making false statements about his military history, and he never corrected them or refuted them. Um, supposedly, he was a Vietnam vet, and he never actually served. Uh, things like that. I think he he was in the military, but he was never deployed. I think is what they said. Right, right, um, right. So yeah. So is, is that where you is that the term when you get swift boated? I don't know. Like the John Kerry swift boating. I don't hmm. really know. I shouldn't probably, I probably shouldn't use words. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how about back to our only being the only podcast so how about we just we keep with the rule that until the president declares us fake news <laughs> we're it hey i was really proud um of the fake news people uh jake tapper came out and said that the covington catholic thing was just wildly misreported yeah. well of course that so so the lawyer of the boys apparently served like literally everyone who had every public figure who had tweeted anything or done anything and said retract within 48 hours or consider yourself served and the retractions just started pouring Mm -hmm. (laughs) pouring out awesome that's exactly what i would have done yeah i I did see an article though i didn't read it though but supposedly there was a bishop wrote an article that you know wearing a make america great again hat or a president trump hat was not pro-life and so, so the students, you know, their embodiment of being at the the March for Life, yet supporting the president was contradictory. Yeah, I mean, I well, they probably go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you you go. I for it. personally thought it was really imprudent that the chaperones were letting them wear the hats because they're so politically charged, you know, at at that event. But but that then the the whole situation was completely manipulated to to serve and you know that that beyond that there really was you know obviously the situation was completely misrepresented and manipulated Mm -hmm. and stuff and and that at the same time i think you're right that it's ridiculous to say that 
if they're wearing the hats, then they're not pro-life or, or something like that. Right. Do you well, think and, that, that they're all wearing that hat like, you know, all the different groups do to kind of distinguish, uh, you know, stay, distinguish, yeah, themselves. distinguish, stay together. They just, I don't know. Not, not just like course, the, the BR white hats, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of a, their own little twist on it. Not particularly warm twist on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard much about that, you know, um, um, when this doesn't help the argument, but I do know, you know, there's a subset of quote-unquote guys who are interested in the the frat life um because president trump is very popular with fraternities really oh yes um and so anytime you see frat parties or anything like you know the the media centralized uh fraternity attention um they're very supportive of president trump and so you see high school age guys who are you know interested in that type of life Uh, you know they're they aspire to be like that gotcha um Hmm. so it does not surprise me that a a parochial you know school and a bunch of guys who yeah. eventually will be in college and probably in that scene mm-hmm. you know are trying to aspire to that already that's interesting yeah. and we probably should say for the record that had these boys been harassing an elderly native american gentleman that that would be deplorable obviously you know surely that, oh that yes were... they'd Wait, be one of the best they they'd be the in the... <laughs> i mean fashion they'd choices, be in the people. come on <laughs> they'd be in the basket of deployed <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah and also how unfortunate it is we talk about you know the march for life never gets any yeah, real media coverage yes but oh, they got no. this oh yeah so disappointing yes, absolutely that was i was so discouraged when the story broke because it was being it was being so widely reported and already there were it was clear that it was kind of being twisted a bit but it was like even if it's not and it's deplorable. If, if it wasn't, it would be deplorable. But that they completely refrain from reporting on the march and then report on one little group's per- potentially bad behavior. Whereas at the Women's March, you know there's tons of people <laughs> behaving very it's badly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't get reported on at all. You know, Except for that, uh, except for that Satanist group over there. They, they're very well-behaved. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Satanists are always the best-behaved people in the, sure. at the yeah. party. That's what I've heard. <sighs> so speaking of abortion, um, to parlay this into a, a comics conversation, yeah. which you know we can't really offend that many people talking about comics. We've <laughs> um, already offended enough. People, so. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Let's do this. Because of how you talk about those comics, Stu, we're not exactly talking about the you know peanuts and our gang here. Uh, we're talking. Uh, Cody was going to talk about um, Thanos some more. We've kind of talked about Lady or Mistress Death, Lady Death before in previous podcasts, but on the topic of abortion, there's some relevance to the Thanos myth arc. Right, so, and, and so we're going to actually kind of pull out of the comics a little bit um, because Thanos in the comics, his main goal for obtaining the Infinity Stones is so that he can. Um, be mistress's death's equal instead of her slave uh and be with her forever right that's his his whole purpose of gaining the infinity stones and wiping out half the universe it's a love story okay it's a love story it really is <laughs> Classic. valentine's day in the line of love ju- story 
Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, very Shakespearean. Exactly. And and so, but we're gonna move away from the comics and into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, um, because that's really where Thanos's philosophical ideas come out uh, of of this this myth of overpopulation. Now, regardless of what you think about overpopulation. Uh, it is a myth because we, we, we know that uh, people tend to populate towards the cities and that means that they become overcrowded and stuff. But there is still plenty of room, not just for people to live, but for people to cultivate the land. So anyways, um, What's talking the... about Thanos in particular, his quote, um, he, he's, he's explaining to Gamora in, in Infinity War like why he's doing what he's doing. He says, little one, it's, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite. Its resources, finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correcting. So this is basically a statement of Malthusian economics, Correct. right? Malthus, right? That um, population uh, increases exponentially, whereas resources increase only arithmetically. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's it's just interesting that this this whole concept, right? of overpopulation, which in the pro-life movement is something that we've heard constantly. There's too many people, there's too many people, there's too many people. When, what's the statistic that the entire population of the world could fit in the state of Texas? Of the with, world, yeah. with the density, <laughs> with the density, I think, of the city of New York. So it's not like, it's yeah. not like we'd all be, I don't know, stan- standing, <laughs> standing like shoulder to shoulder in the state of Texas, but like living in a, Texas-sized right. city of New York. Um, and I think, well, I've seen demographic maps that says like 80% of the population within the U.S. lives within 60 miles of the mm-hmm. coast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you look at a heat map, it's literally like, you know, this huge highlighter going around the, the coasts of the country. Um, and then it's kind of very sparse in between except for the big cities. Yep. So, yeah. Which isn't to say like that there aren't resource distribution problems, but Correct. we know right, right. that the biggest enemy of resource distribution is political instability and and war and things like that that's really the main thing that robs people of the ability to have access to to what they need you know throughout the world i was looking i was looking at a chart just uh the other day and i can't i don't have the source for it but basically they charted population growth since 1900 um I think it was basically 1 billion to 6 billion, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, charted alongside it, uh, the numbers of those in extreme poverty, and they um, diverged uh, as as population growth increased, as expected exponentially, the, uh, the rate or the amount of extreme poverty was actually decreased. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Which I mean, you can you can say, well, it's the Green Revolution. Um, which, if we mention Green Revolution, we have to give a plug for those fighting Texas Aggies and Professor Norman Borlaug, <laughs> Nobel find laureate. A way to bring them in, don't you? <laughs> you can Aggies. They are the crux. Uh, well, you and, mean well, you I mean, mean green is in like inexperienced and? Oh. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. You mean inexperienced at saving the world? <laughs> I'm sorry. Boy, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> So yeah, since you mentioned it, 
the uh, Green Revolution. Um, uh, so Borlaug basically found a way to grow dwarf wheat. He made, I think, as a hybrid of dwarf wheat and you know taller wheat. So he increased the production of wheat several times, several folds, so that you're able to produce have greater production um, with the same amount of arable land. Right. Which kind of shows... Well, I'm sorry, Colby, you go ahead. Gig'em. You've tried, like... <laughs> oh, so that was actually a point to what you said, Scott, about, you know, the, the population increasing. However, the the density of um, poverty has also decreased. So the advances of technology and um, basically the economies of scale is... Mm-hmm. It, they go hand in hand. So, like, I mean, you study any free market economist, they'll say, like, you know, capital follows opportunity. And so, you know, back in the day, people, and even today, people talk about the evils of colonialism. Um, you know, that problem in and of itself is still today here, but it's very different in that, uh, you know, capital or resources goes to where there is a return. However, it, it always has, you know, some type of purpose to give value to the consumer. Um, so all these countries, even it's not just, you know, deployed charity, um, but one of the biggest movements right now within the financial space is called impact investing. Have you ever heard of it? No. So is that it's like micro loans or micro loans. Yeah, it's kind of like microfinance, what they call it. But it's impact investing, where you know capital or you know people who have money to spare try to invest in places that uh, have some type of charitable end. Um, so kind of like I think we even talked about one time, like you talk about shoes being made in Africa and being sh- you know shipped and sold around the world, right? So it's giving resource and giving opportunity to people who did not have it before, you know, as a way to give them means of living, but also, you know, to return, um, you know, economic opportunity to other places. Also, Kind of like partly from the perspective of it almost being like an untapped market, but like an untapped labor market. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, capital is being deployed there because nobody else is there. And so it's it's quote unquote an exploitation because there's no one else there. There's no real competition. However, it still does bring value to the communities that right. they're going mm-hmm. to. And kind of that idea that like human beings are our greatest resource, you know, like that, that the more mm-hmm. humans yeah. we have, like kind right. of with, with what Scott was talking about too, like the ingenuity of, of humans, <laughs> you know, the more humans we have, right. the no. more people are tackling problems and working and, you know. Which is, is kind of a contradictory point to what we have in the States because we have people, we have a population, but we also have very advanced technology. Um, and so the more we become dependent upon technology, the less we become dependent on other mm-hmm. people, Yeah. which is, you know, it's got some negative aspects to it. And the more we separate ourselves from other people with, um, with using technology as our interface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, what have we done? <laughs> well, and also like someone was talking to me the other day, uh, my friend Jenna about, how like we've fallen into this idea, not that we shouldn't find fulfillment in our work, but but that in the 20th century, kind of late 20th century, we got this idea that what we do for a living has has to be like the optimal, fulfilling, emotionally, right. you know, on every level <laughs> thing, like your dream, basically, versus a way to support your family and a way to live and a, a way to fulfill your vocation as a human, you know. Um, and that sometimes there should be a daily drudgery, right? You know, so <laughs> you know, a father, a mother, whoever supporting their family. That this is from the Garden of Eden. This is how we um, 
this is how we come to know love again by the sweat of our brow and uh, pope francis would say the daily martyrdom of the father which you know if you if you take it as you're sacrificing for your family um and uh and for in service to god then it's it's no longer drudgery unfortunately so (laughs) that suffering you know it turns it turns that suffering into joy is easy and light right (laughs) exactly who else says that? I know, right? right? I think I've heard that Ooh. before. Well, and it also... <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, Buddha does not offer that. <laughs> it's true. Well, and it also kind of ties into abortion because I feel like for a lot of people, the fear that maybe hits with a pregnancy is that sort of... Um, someone used the term with us, FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really. I don't know if that's a thing. We had never heard of it before. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking the FOMUS. I was thinking the FOMUS Picotti, <laughs> which I don't know. It rises in a. It's the bubbling up of sin. Uh, it's like the. It's like almost onomatopoetic. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> but just just the fact that we've we've been so instilled in modernity with this idea of like living living your best life and following your dreams and yeah. and and. To be clear, we're not saying that people should live lives of, of emptiness and drudgery, like to to have healthy, healthy goals and stuff. But um, but that I think that's part of what drives some people to have an abortion is this idea, this sort of mistaken idea that like, oh, gosh, my life will be ruined and it'll be I won't mm-hmm. get to live out that fulfillment and that that beautiful life that I had envisioned for myself. That probably ain't going to happen the way you thought it was anyway, <laughs> you know, right. It's like when I was in school, so I studied risk management, right? So risk management is all about weighing, you know, the the risk versus the reward. And I'm not exaggerating. My professor in class one time used the analogy. He's like, yep. He's like, we now go party this weekend. You know, 50 cents in the in the vending machine is, is much better than 180 grand, you know, once, a, you know, nine months later when that kid comes. Oh, my gosh. But people think about, you know, economic terms like, yeah, cost benefit analysis. To cost benefit analysis. Having children, yeah. I mean, it's a real thing if people aren't prepared for it. But again, that's the the divorce between, you know, the language of the body and what our bodies actually say, versus what we want them to say. Right. Isn't it interesting too that like, if we're confronted with the cost of like our cell phone and internet and all these different things, which to an extent have become sort of necessities in the modern like professional world, but if we're confronted with those costs, it's like, well, no, I have to, I have to just make it work, kind of thing. Right. Like I'll I'll make right. it work. I'll I'll do what I have to do to keep these things. But wait, this child is going to cost me money? Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to swing that, you know. And is isn't this such a statement of theology of the body, you know, in terms of utilitarianism, using people, um loving objects, right? That we quantify a child in terms of how much more bedroom space is, you know, his material goods. Uh, we're going to need an extra phone line. We're going to need an extra car. We're going to have to pay for college. You know, all this, this sum of material goods is that's the calculus that goes into a child. Right. But that's not the point at all. No. Yeah. And, and so the inverse of that, right. We talk about, you know, avoiding economic hardship. Um, I remember actually, so kind of tying back to our conversation of overpopulation, I did a partial study one time in school on, the effects on the economy after Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. um, you know, like actually looking at population statistics as to like how much tax revenue 
has the government missed out mm-hmm. on from all these people that have yeah. been how many gone? fewer people paying into social security mm-hmm. right how many how many fewer business owners are out there like how many you know how has the economy been impacted with the change you know that we've had um and nobody has that conversation well, it's it's actually uh not too long ago like not too long before the um new york abortion law thing uh, happened there was an article going around about how the u.s population is not uh making exactly uh, yeah, <laughs> we're negative. We're entering negative population yeah. group. So like, it's just ironic, <laughs> you know. It's like, wow, the go figure. I've I've never thought before about the fact that social security was kind of set up like a pyramid scheme, and now mm. the it and is. now the pyramid has <laughs> kind of turned, turned into down. a column of sorts. You know, mm. like, um, or maybe not. Maybe I'm misspeaking. I, well. That's a different conversation, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I'm not trying to diss social, social security. security per se. I just. No, 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 no. Everyone else. So I did like most of my senior projects. <laughs> I did my most of my senior projects on social security, so I definitely diss it with you. <laughs> um, but it's, it's yeah, it's definitely a different conversation. Yeah. Word. I mean, social security is meant to be like a floor of protection. Not your whole. For people. Yeah. Right, right. Um, however, yes, it has become inverse. But one of the issues with social security is that because the government somewhat quote unquote foresaw that the you know, the, the needs for that would not be as great in the future. They started robbing from it and they started allocating capital to different places. So that's why there are huge shortfalls in social security. Um, do you mean that politicians just mess up everything for everybody? Else? <laughs> it's interesting. It really is. Like <laughs> yeah. kind of bringing it back and, to like the, uh, the uh, kind of, it's interesting. Like what we're talking good, about. Because I, because I'm a social security disability attorney, you know, mm-hmm. at times, and we need to get off this topic. <laughs> fast I'm trying to pull <laughs> us away from it. Yeah, pull, uh, pull me from the pulling edge. It, pulling it away. Pulling it away. Uh, like with with Thanos, um, it's interesting how like a lot of people have this idea of overpopulation, and then Thanos brings it to its head and says, "Well, if we have overpopulation, then here is the solution, right?" But he's a villain. <laughs> Right, yeah. like that they made that plot choice. They made basically. that plot choice exactly. Like the Marvel writers decided that, hey, this is a good decision, and they could have easily gone with the 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 comic book version of it. They would have had to introduce one more character, but they could have gone with the comic book version. They didn't have to introduce this new philosophy, and yet they did. So it's just an interesting choice, in my opinion. Like that we see the villain as being this guy with this overpopulation idea uh, and wanting to fix overpopulation. Yeah, and then that kind of brings us to how do people propose fixing overpopulation? Well, one of the ways is mm. abortion. Yeah. Controlling the population. Right. Margaret Sanger. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, Margaret Sanger <laughs> also wanted to uh, control the... Purify. Uh, yeah, exactly, right. purify. Uh, to get rid of the, the undesirables, um, as, as she called them. Um, Which, I mean, really has become kind of a reflection on um, Darwinism mm-hmm. and survival of the fittest, right? Like natural selection. Well, she actually... Uh, if you're... Was Charles Darwin actually... Or she read Charles Darwin's book, and that's why she like promoted this idea like she was a proponent of darwinism so you're saying that natural selection abortive selection is now going to favor big catholic families (laughs) Mm. (laughs) see 
comes full but it begs, circle. It does beg the question, though, like if we talk about overpopulation, you know, who is the judge and jury as to who is part of that overpopulation, Which right? I thought that yeah. who who should not live any further. Which like what population, what demographic, what countries, like how do they has that even Which chosen? Infinity Wars kind of highlights that, too, I guess. The fact that it's like it kind of has to almost be just across the board or else it's genocide i mean it's Just it's a, still genocide a, yeah a random snap of the finger yeah. right and that's what it, that's what he said it was like no no judgment just like no discrimination no discrimination and take anybody uh but it, it's and then kind of bringing that back to us right having a conversation about uh you know overpopulation with people who are serious about overpopulation and saying that abortion helps control overpopulation you can ask them the question you know well, if, if the world is over, overpopulated, let's say that it is overpopulated, um, don't you think it would be uh, quicker and easier to maybe kill all the two-year-olds? Bringing or the idea to kill all the ninety-two-year-olds, you know? exactly. Bringing out this idea of, mm -hmm. of of what's the difference between the two-year-old, the ninety-two-year-old, and the unborn, right? What mm -hmm. what where can we lead that conversation? What is the difference? And trying to uh, what they call trotting out the toddler uh, so that you can have a conversation about what is the unborn. Yeah, and y'all give that um, presentation, Pro-Life Encounters, and that I've used that lots. That that um, Isn't it a mnemonic, trotting out the toddler? There there so, are steps to trotting out the toddler. Like it's a, it's okay. a tot, uh, T-O-T-T. Um, are you? Can you not remember? I can't remember it right I now. Know, Look at that. I know. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it was basically. Come, come back here, toddler. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get back. Get I back. thought it was. It's been a long time since I, I talked. It, about but it. I, like the the words that are coming to mind, I thought it was basically acknowledge the seriousness of the situation that they just yeah. presented, but then offer a situation with a toddler and ask, would it be okay to kill a toddler in that situation? And then say, okay, so it's not so much the situation that justifies the killing of a person. It's that you think somehow the unborn is... But what I just said is not really it. It's similar to that. But, yeah, basically. But, yeah, that was like an off-brand <laughs> T-O-T-T. And we can, leave, <laughs> we can leave that as a cliffhanger. Right. <laughs> so that we'll come, we'll come back to that in the yeah, future. Yeah, um, We're rusty. Yeah, we're a little rusty. What? And this this podcast brought to you by Pro Life Encounters. We're out of practice, but we're still great. <laughs> so I've been wanting to. Um, it, it's it's weird because uh, Thanos and the in, Infinity um, Crisis, or not the Crisis on Infinite Worlds, but the um, Infinity Stones. Um, it's interesting. I I hadn't really made the connection until we started talking, but. I just happened to be reading um, Blackest Night. Um, Cody, have you heard of that before? It's mm. the it's basically green, it's a it's a story arc, a plot arc in the Green Lantern series. Uh, no, I haven't. I'm not big into DC. You know, I wasn't either, <laughs> and then I read this, <laughs> and I was uh, uh, I just actually finished the first volume today, and it's very good. Um, but basically, it's the same sort of thing, just as Thanos is the big bad um, for that Marvel universe, and it brings 
um, you know, the Avengers together. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the Justice League. This those is a little peripheral to the Justice League, but this brings all um, the bad guy in here, which is basically um, all the Green Lanterns. Uh, well, the Green Lanterns are the green section of the light spectrum, right? And recently in Green Lantern, they've been doing the whole spectrum of light. So you've got, you know, Roy G. Biv, mm-hmm. right? Red, orange, yellow. You've got your green and then even indigo and violet. So what happens here is it, it, uh, it's kind of cosmological because you've got now a black uh, lantern, mm-hmm. uh, which is just darkness and death, right? Thanos. Right, um, right. And, you know, there's the whole death connection there. But in the end, what uh, conquers the death, spoiler alert, um, is all the light combines into white light and even have a white lantern. But um, it's there some really cool lines about after the whole let there be light thing um, about life. Um, you find out that the Big Bad's kind of been resurrecting people. Uh, and that resurrection uh, it wasn't just them being manipulated back into life that they chose life mm. and there's actually a line um, Green Lantern says it we all chose life when given the chance it's like basically the climax of Blackest Night is we all chose life when given mm. the chance Yeah. boom yeah, and I was like, well, well, dang. <laughs> that That's seems awesome. like a pro-life statement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There are so many like, Call me crazy. pro-life statements like throughout a lot of the Marvel comics, movies, anything like that. You know, there, there's so many different things that you can see in different movies and TV shows and comics that, that if taken kind of like uh, just as a phrase on by itself, yeah. on face value, it's like, holy cow. Like, yeah. that is... Mm-hmm crazy i remember a little little off topic but i remember when superman movie came out uh i forget which one exactly the, it was superman returns we're not talking about my 1985 83 no, we're talking about the more the more modern one with uh, henry cavill <laughs> not uh, christopher um, reeves um That's but stashed, in though. the scene but i mean superman <laughs> he never kills anyone right like his whole thing is like you know don't right. kill yes. but in this movie so he he kills zod mm. And I remember everyone was so shocked about that because, like, Superman doesn't kill oh, people. Like, what? That. That's interesting. Spoiler yeah. alert! Spoiler alert! I know. Spoiler alert! Oh, no, no, no. I knew he killed <laughs> Zod. It. I didn't know just, that was. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was part of his yeah, persona no, that he doesn't kill. Right. It's kind of like Batman with no guns, right? Exactly, like every superhero yeah. has Batman. his principle, but Superman does not kill. And so, like in that that scene where he like, you know, he ends Zod like that, I remember being shocked. I'm like, whoa! Like, why did they do that? Um, that's not Superman, you know, like it was completely contradictory to, again, like you said, that pro-life message that are kind of inherent in most superheroes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then even like, uh, Dr. Who, uh, I, I was reading this, this Mary shared this, uh, meme list of pictures of, uh, basically, uh, may, uh, quote a movie that basically sums up pro-life. This was not mine. Like I shared yeah, it. Cool. It was, yeah. Uh, and and one of them was from oh, yeah, Doctor Who, it. and it's and the doctor says nine hundred years of time and space, and I've never met anyone who wasn't important. There were a lot of great mm. quotes. Yeah, there's from there's movies. a lot of great quotes from movies, but there were there were like tons from Doctor Who. 
which yeah, is there were very a lot. interesting. Um, which is extraordinary coming from England, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it like kind of shows how like I don't know. I feel like deep down people like I'm almost hesitant to say this because I was just talking to another friend today about how part of what's been so discouraging about the New York thing is that for so long so many pro-choice people that I'm like Facebook friends with it's like oh you know stop being so like like obviously we're not talking about killing like fully formed babies we're just talking about those early stages where it's just a cell or a few cells not second third trimester you know don't be so upset you know and now it's like kind of the truth comes out that like the loyalty Mm -hmm. to being pro-choice runs deeper than Mm -hmm. than the horror that should be felt oh yeah you know um but that at the same time the fact that there are so many pro-life quotes in a lot of these movies kind of betrays the fact that deep down we know that life is a good to be preserved and and that we need to work for quality of life too but that it's not like oh no quality of life well you're done you know but but rather like we're going to defend your life and protect it or at least that i think people realize that about their own life (laughs) in a sense and it's and and hopefully that carries over to other people's it should carry over to other people's lives you know to realize that too we'll say i'll say and too like one of the things this is doing is you know unfortunately as we get closer and closer to that line it's making more people have a conversation yeah um have y'all seen the movie Gosnell? No. I haven't. I, I did uh, help fund it on Kickstarter, though, way back Woo! in the day. Awesome. High five. But we had a <laughs> showing. We had a, we had a showing here at UL, like, as they were doing the, a lot of the production. Um, and the lady that helped to develop it and wrote the book, she is not religious. She is not um, anyone who was actually for a pro-life cause. She was a journalist who was researching the Gosnell story. And just in her research from the story, her life was changed. And so the message that they've done with the movie and what you know she does is really challenges people to actually have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you actually challenge them to have a conversation about it and make them try to solidify or explain what they actually believe, very few people actually oh, can. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and so she, incoherent. She, even told the, she even told the story. Sorry to cut you off. She even told the story when they oh, were doing fine. the the audible version for their book, the person who was doing the directing for her while she was reading, she found her outside crying Wow! because she had never heard those things yeah. before. Right. So, you know, she's like, Oh, she said when she went in, she's like, Oh, you have a really great book. You know, I've really enjoyed it. And she's like, yeah, I bet you read it. <laughs> and she said, as she was reading it for the audible, you know, production, she said she found the girl that was doing the directing for her, right. Her reading like outside crying because she had never been challenged with that before. Yeah. And that reminds me of Unplanned, uh, the Abby Johnson movie is um, it's gonna come out or yeah. post production, um, and the actress who portrays Abby Johnson, I mean, I don't think the movie um, resulted in her changing her mind on abortion, but I think she had something earlier in her life, um, not like not unlike Abby Johnson. Hmm. I think, but isn't yeah, there, I, isn't there oh, something yeah, about that once she was in the movie? If I'm wrong about this, people can call me out on it. But I thought it was that once she took the role and started doing it, her mother expressed to her that she was almost aborted. Oh, I think, I think. you're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and that was that was pretty awesome that that movie would serve as a vehicle for that right. sort of mm-hmm. that conversation. conversation. 
It's but it, it, what Mary. Oh, go ahead. What Mary had said, um, and I think what Colby had said is it as as Catholics, as pro-lifers, as people that aren't formed in a philosophical tradition, it is it kills us that there can exist this fundamental contradiction in the truth that they can have these pro-life messages everywhere but then they can still um support partial birth abortion Mm -hmm. that that huge massive contradiction but to a postmodernist, which is we're seeing the expression of that um and and these sorts of new york statutes right a postmodernist truth doesn't have to be without contradictions it, truth is not they're not pursuing truth and contradictions are just fine so long as you are you know uh, uh, fighting the the power structure or wh- right. whatever it is right yeah. or like that that everyone should live their own truth and that all truths are equal yeah. but the consequence of mm-hmm. that is that all people are not you know like that the mm. the founder of feminist for life um, had this quote um that uh if all choices are equal no no i'm sorry if all people are equal all choices are not you know wow um so just what you were saying about the truth thing that that there is no absolute truth now it's all living your truth which Mm -hmm. isn't truth at all it's a (laughs) odd use of the word um and that we should respect the truth of each person over and above the actual value and rights of that person to go on living right which the problem with that, I mean, and this is coming from, about, I guess, somewhere around 800, 900 conversations on college campuses with different, different students uh, talking about uh, abortion um, and, and kind of life in general, the value of life and philosophy. Uh, uh, basically, like this relativistic mindset that, you know, th- that whatever's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me problem with that is that most people don't know what is true for them like they don't quite mm-hmm. understand it yet like or they, it's ever changing it's, it's, it's ever like yeah it's ever changing it's it's always changing like i, I had a, a conversation with one guy <laughs> oh my gosh this is ridiculous right yeah. so he said uh he he, he, tur- he said things can exist and not exist at the same time and i said do please explain, Schrodinger's cat. explain that to me <laughs> and he, he explained Schrodinger's cat and I said no because either the cat is dead or alive it doesn't matter if we know that it's dead or alive the cat is either dead or alive our perception does not change the fact that it is either, it is either dead or it is alive we so Schrodinger was an idiot right <laughs> so yeah and then and then he turned and he pointed at the building and he said see that building right there I said um, yes, he said that building exists, but if it were that all of a sudden it were to blow up and crumble down into pieces, it would no longer exist. I said, exactly, it would no longer <laughs> exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist Which, and not exist at the same time. Like it is just incredible. That and did y'all see that video? Uh, it's James Franco, yes. the, the actor. I, I <laughs> Yeah. And his 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 buddy and they're like interviewing, uh, his buddy's a philosopher I think, and they're interviewing other philosophers. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a there's a lady that they're interviewing. Now wait, time out. When you say um, he's a philosopher, like everybody in that mom is a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? 
Yeah, let me preface it. Olaf is a love expert. Olaf is a love expert, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they, um, I want to say that their their profession, (laughs) such as it is, they (laughs) teach philosophy. Ah, Okay. Those guys. Those guys. Some of our favorite Um, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, there's plenty of good ones out there. there Um, but so this philosopher, um, or, you know, this, uh, professor at a, at a, um, one of the West coast schools was saying that, um, whether or not abortion is okay depends on whether or not the baby's wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. And if the baby survives, ergo, she's wanted. And so James Franco's like, wait a second, that isn't that circular? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I understand how you might be thinking that. <laughs> I can see how you would fall into that flawed way of thinking. Yeah. So um, let's see. I have a, a summary of this talk here of the, of the circularity. But of I mean, but talk. isn't it sad that the world has come to this idea of a person's values dependent on upon whether or not they are wanted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their existence existence is contingent on the perception of another person. Mm-hmm. Like I was yeah. thinking about it, and I was like, so by that standard, let's say there's there's a woman who's who's I don't know alone in the world, maybe living on the street. And has no one in her life. So she's not valued by seemingly by anyone. And she's raped mm-hmm. by a man. And, and has, no econo- has no economic right, value. Right, right. And she's raped by a man who has a loving family and friends and all this, all these people. So by this standard that we've set up, he is valuable. Way more valuable than she is. As opposed to that they actually have equal intrinsic value. And that she's being treated in a way that's not in keeping with that value. And he's acting in a way that's not in keeping with that value you know hmm. like it's just bananas <laughs> it's completely bananas yeah. the logic yeah, I, I don't that. okay so <laughs> this the summary that i have from the james franco uh, this is how you can encapsulize it it's not a baby because i don't want it but that's okay because me not wanting the baby unbabyfies the baby and makes it okay not to want an unbabyfied baby you see there's no circularity to that logic at all. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> I just fe- feature like a a murderer from like a classic horror movie, like standing over their victim before they kill them and be like, but you understand the fact that I'm killing you like renders you not valuable and therefore it's okay that I'm killing you. So are we good? Like we're, we're on the same page here. We understand one another. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so fun. But the to get back on a serious note, how about that? <laughs> so um, one of the one of the most popular songs back in the seventies, I don't know if you remember, but Cheap Trick. It's like I want you to want me. Where we talk about, you know, want you, you to want, want me. me. Right. Like it's this, you know, this thing of like wanting. Like yeah. we want other people to want us. I like, need you to need me. I need you to need me, right? So like our personhood is depending upon other people wanting us. And so it, it makes sense about how people are unpersonified or, you know, they're not persons if they're not wanted. Um, and that, you know, gets projected onto the homeless. It gets projected onto those in poverty, like all these different things. Yeah, the most vulnerable of us. Yeah, but it, it kind of, I guess, tossed in a personal story. One of the biggest moments in my life 
was, and actually the biggest regret I have in my life, and I'll say this publicly, um, was the way that I treated my brother growing up. But he turned out so well. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why, right? So like, so when I was a kid, um, I was four years old, my brother was born, I wanted a sister. I wanted a sister so bad, right? That when he was born in the hospital, they came out and said, oh, you have a baby brother. And I was like, no, I don't. Put him back. I wanted a sister. Right? <laughs> you and have so, made a mistake. So for years, for years, I resented my brother because I wanted a sister. <laughs> and I remember this very vividly. But one time we were arguing, we fought like cats and dogs, like till we were teenagers. And I remember this. So like he was like 10, 11 years old and I was like 14 or 15. And we were fighting about something and he yelled at me. <laughs> He yelled at me, he said, you're the worst brother I could ever have. And I shouted back, that's You're the okay. worst sister I've ever had. No, no, I shouted back, that's okay, I never even wanted a brother. You've been holding and, on to that for like a decade. And the hurt on his face that I can still see. And so the biggest reconciliation moment we had was a couple years later, you know, after we both had a pretty serious conversion. And I remember, like, we sat down, we were at a same, we were at a retreat center at the same time at different retreats. And I remember that moment coming up when I was, you know, doing some reconciliation. And I was like, wow, like, all the angst and stuff that my brothers had growing up is my fault. Because of the way that I treated him, like, I didn't want him around. And so all of his acting out, all of his, like, trying to get attention from me was because I didn't want him. Right. Wow. And so, like, our reconciliation moment where I sat down and asked him, like, hey, do you forgive me for the ways that I treated you and the ways that I didn't treat you well? Um, and it was that moment that everything changed and we became best friends. Yeah. It's when I realized that I actually wanted my brother around, life was totally different. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy because as mean... long as I've known you guys, y'all have, yeah, you know. <laughs> y'all been brothers. Been and, close? Yeah. 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 See, and, and it's interesting that that – our value is not determined by how other people treat us, but our, our own vision of ourselves you know, like can, be our, our, can be shaped by those, the way that people yeah. treat us, you know? And, yeah. and so there, we have to acknowledge that and create that distinction between value and self worth, I guess. Or like that we, we should value people but just because someone doesn't value you doesn't mean that you're not valuable is that what you're yeah, saying basically. that i that i put well, so succinctly well, yeah that you have inherent value right. well yeah one thing i would toss in there is that even if we don't receive value from person to person from our peers or our family or whatever our intrinsic value as you said it comes from god wanting us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who's we are. right god Right. We belong to God. We are the beloved, right? God loves us regardless of others. Um, and so our value as a person, first and foremost, and above all else, comes from him. The Imago Dei. Yeah. We are creating the image of God. And that's that's a pretty good thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, Colby, I think you're in pretty good company. Um, you're probably destined for greatness with this uh, fraternal strife because, I mean, look at salvation history, right? Mm -hmm. Cain and Abel, <laughs> Isaac mm -hmm. and Ishmael, uh, Joseph and his brothers, yeah, Northern and Southern Kingdom. Shove them into a pit or kill them. Or sell them into slavery. <laughs> right. 
or steal his inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Yet. 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 <laughs> there was that really nice coat I'd... he had. <laughs> yeah, my dad's not blonde, and I don't have sheepskin, so we'll be okay. <laughs> nice. So one thing that we have not done yet, even though we've done it without doing it, is um, uh, Cody. How do you um, say that segment that we do? What you reading? Gosh, I, we, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> should we just should we just make a recording and put it on a button that way we could just do yeah. it? Yeah, like in his most just... high pitched possible. <laughs> yes. We have to get someone with a soundboard that way we have all this stuff already <laughs> right. pre-programmed. <laughs> yeah, somebody hired tech. But uh, so, what are y'all reading? I've Not been much, reading huh? a particularly <laughs> a particularly wonderful um, interpretation of Goodnight Moon. Nightly, oh. <laughs> several times. I'm on my, my 45th reading of it, actually. <laughs> and a little old lady sing. Shush. Hush. <laughs> Whenever Ashton set tells me to hush, I say, "And a little old lady sing." Hush. I'm sure she loves that. I just think of a bowl of mush. I know. Well, I did. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times. I'm yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. So y'all were saying. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go real quick. I'm reading. Uh, I, I just finished the Thanos Gauntlet series, uh, the Infinity Stone series, which was uh, a very interesting read. Uh, the uh, The twist at the end is uh, really, really neat. I don't want to give any spoilers, um, but I kind of hope they take the same approach in the new movie uh in which game. almost guarantees that they're not going to i know i know i know but it's very it's, you're it's like pretty dang cool. it they already but, did this but i will tell you <laughs> per our conversation two episodes ago about wolverine making an appearance in yeah. the comic series mm-hmm. wolverine is there um and he mm-hmm. is like one of the only one like i think the only one that that gets an attack in on thanos um, but unfortunately, Thanos then just removes his adamantium skeleton. So, because oh, <laughs> that well, that was not fun going on. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so I finished reading that. It was it was it was interesting, very very exciting read. Uh, and I'm working on uh, Walking Dead volume twenty eight, uh, and then I'm, I'm working 27. on Space Salvi. <laughs> Uh, the oh, encyclical, wow. uh, I know, right? <laughs> Walking Dead, yeah. and uh, that's that's uh, the one on hope, hope yeah, right? Hope, hope and salvation, mm-hmm. I which think. is kind of funny in light of Walking Dead. I know that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was commenting. <laughs> it's just pretty funny. Uh, and then uh, I started on Fides et Ratio and uh, Confessions by Augustine. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. I don't think you read enough. I know, right? <laughs> I well, the problem that I'm the reason I'm doing this is because I didn't read enough, and now I'm like mm, feeling playing yeah, catch up. playing catch up. Uh, and also, I'm doing this thing called Exodus ninety. I don't know if you guys have oh, heard yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Scotts. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I did it. I did it last yeah. year. It's it's pretty awesome. I so avoided far. it this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's funny because like we have our so the group of guys that I did it with, we still have a group text mm-hmm. going. And we'll share stuff back and forth. But, like, I mean, when you're in the group, we were talking every single day. Right. And uh, so, like, one of the guys proposed, like, in the group this year, like, hey, y'all want to do it again? Everybody was like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> 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 no, we're uh, I've got something else going on. One of the benefits is that it has called me back to trying to, like, wanting to read philosophy and theology more. So, 
that's yeah fides eratios that's that's a great blend of of the two mm-hmm. um and it I, I feel like it's kind of like a lot of shakespeare you know yeah. you can read it many 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 times yeah i've, I've read it in seminary so like uh, like yes absolutely I've, I've already started i'm all already like mind blown like still kind of comprehending these things again the um my my book of the week is um it's called 40 dreams of saint john bosco are y'all familiar with saint john bosco not entirely but i mean i know him he's i mean he's basically a patron saint for for all children but um are y'all he was here? a magician right oh was he is he a patron saint of magicians I think so. I have a friend of mine who's a magician. I don't want to say that's his patron. I think that's right because he had this, you know, this way of keeping of captivating children. Right. He would work with children like in the streets, like to get their attentions. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that part of the story. Um, so we've got, you know, not unlike the Allen brothers, um, we've got two boys kind of side by side in age, and they they can cause you know mass chaos. So. Oh, so for our girls, we feel like St. Philomena has kind of adopted them. And for our boys, we feel like St. John Bosco's kind of adopted them. But St. John Bosco, he, um, he had these very, um, uh, formative dreams, very, uh, vivid dreams, uh, growing all through his life and some that he'd have repeatedly. And, um, a lot of his dreams are, uh, either straight up prophetic or just prescient um so it's and but very can be very apocalyptic so it's kind of like a catholic comic book hmm. okay it's good good stuff okay so i just finished one book today for the fourth time i believe um uh, the big short oh yeah by michael lewis well, i mentioned this to you at lunch last week that's right um I have a like just fascination with um, unfettered financial market speculation, uh, and so I've not read that book several times. Like it just I don't know it captivates me every single time. But um, and so, so Aaron, my, Aaron Sorkin didn't write the book; he just did the dialogue for the movie, right? I mean, he wrote yeah. the screenplay. Right, right. Wow. So. Um, and I will say, actually, the the movie, the screenplay, is fairly decent with the book. Um, some of the names are changed because some of the, the characters or the people in the story didn't want to actually be identified. Um, but for the most part, the, the overarching theme of it is pretty well done. Um, so anyways, just finished that one. Uh, and then I just got a copy recently of Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary by oh, Dr. Yeah. Brant Petrie. I've heard good things about that man. Me too. <laughs> and he's got these uh, really cool have him on the podcast. <laughs> I've uh I've not read it yet, but I've got it. Word. Um probably we'll start reading it this week though. So I guess our next episode I'll be uh that's my what you're reading. Oh good. We we just acquired yeah. what books did we well we just got last weekend we went to see Garden the Musical mm-hmm. and got oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. we're given the little garden book along with our yeah. our tickets. We have that book. Like basically we've just been given Set. a bunch of books that we have not started reading um and then we heard scott hahn this past saturday at tulane oh i forgot that friday i'm sorry friday friday (laughs) um at my alma mater tulane um 
I didn't know you went to Tulane. I did. I did. For undergrad. She wow. graduated from yeah. Tulane. Yeah. Uh, even better than going there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and uh, and they were giving out a book of his called, um, what is it called? It's a great question. Something, something, Our Father. <laughs> about understanding the, the petitions of the Our Father um, oh, in light of the Father. Cool. And we got a wonderful photo. I was going to say, a father who keeps his promises. No, no. Not that No. No. Um, and we got a wonderful photo with the back of Scott Hahn's head. Um, because there Excellent. were there were 200 people waiting in line to see him, so we just we just worked with what we got. Um, so yeah, so we've we've had this sudden influx of of Catholic books being thrown at so us. So that is it. That brings up understanding a, our Father. Yes, yes, that's it. Which it's interesting. Oh, that makes sense because it's not understanding <laughs> the Our Father, even though I think it does talk. About, I just thought it was interesting that it, it's. I, I, he said it's specifically about the prayer of the Our Father. But that it's, hmm. I think, from what he said, like understanding God as our Father, from the petitions mm-hmm. within the Our Father, which I thought was interesting. That that brings up a good point because Scott Hahn spoke at the Men of the Immaculata uh, Catholic Men's Conference last That's year, right? And and uh, we're, so we're getting close to the Men's Conference. I'm busy right now, kind of. Uh, I'm not gonna say revising because that would be uh, shameful. Uh, but I'm <laughs> updating the language a bit of uh, Thomas Akempis as quoted in St. Louis de Montfort's uh, Marian Consecrations, just to make it a little easier for the men to read, because um, we're going to do a Marian Consecration this year. Uh, but our guest, uh, our guest, uh, Father Donald Calloway, who I mentioned last podcast, uh, I listened to a great podcast that he did. Uh, I listened to it this past week. He did... Uh, an interview i think is from this past week with dr taylor marshall who's mm. also an aggie <laughs> you <were. laughs> wait wait clap right there so we can cut that out <laughs> <laughs> now nobody's gonna understand our references to clapping <laughs> anyway um it was uh, about the rosary um uh, because dr or father calloway's written these books champions of the rosary um but a couple cool things that i learned from that podcast the reason that religious uh, will wear the rosary on their left side, do y'all know the reason for this? Y'all, it's like a this sword. may be you, common you're knowledge. You're supposed to grab it with your right it's hand. It's, yeah, it's a sword on your hilt. Yeah. Whereas all this time, yes. I thought it was personal preference which side you wore it on. <laughs> Did not know <laughs> that there was a standard. Well, that's that's also the idea of uh, when you're you're escorting someone, like arm in arm, the man's supposed to have his right arm free, so he's supposed to escort with the left hand. So that he could grab the sword to defend if necessary. Oh, I thought that was based on which side of the street you're on and where the chamber pots are being. <laughs> talking from. about a different. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> I mean that too. That I was going to say the different time yeah, before different vehicles, times. but no, yeah. then you took it a chamber step pots. further. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! The different aspects of truth and how they pertain to yeah. the circumstance. <laughs> oh, oh boy! You, that just oh. determines which side of the street you walk on, like left side of the street or right side of the street. So that you have both access this, to your sword and blocking the chamber pot splash. This is like you could block the chamber pot with your sword. Yes, this is, this is breaking my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone the, else's as well. <laughs> the other cool thing I learned uh, from Father Callaway was they uh, talked about Bartolo Longo, uh, Blessed Bartolo Longo. Have y'all ever heard of him? No. no. Another one of our awesome Italian um, saints slash blesseds. But he, uh, 
he did not begin awesome. Uh, he was actually an ordained priest, uh, Satanist priest. Oh. And the rosary uh, led him out of that some kind of way. I don't remember the story, but um, he felt called to uh, Pompeii. This was, I think, the end of the 19th century. So archaeological expeditions into you know uh, the aftermath of Vesuvius's eruption had not begun yet. Um, so he was, there was nothing in Pompeii. And he decided to build this massive cathedral um, uh, in the ruins of Pompeii, or atop the ruins of Pompeii. And uh, as a cathedral to the rosary, and one of the cool things about it, he when he finished, he just gave it to the Pope. I think it was uh, Pope Leo at the time. I can't remember if it was the 10th or 13th, but who wrote like 12 or 13 encyclicals on the rosary. So he, oh. this Pope was um, huge on the rosary, gladly accepted this cathedral, and this cathedral is its own diocese. Oh my God! It has its own. It has its own bishop, uh, and Father Callaway, who's been, you know, who leads pilgrimages everywhere. He's leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land uh, later this year with Jim Caviezel. Uh, he said it was the prettiest, most impressive church he's ever been in. That's a big statement. Yeah, yeah. crazy. So another reason to go to Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> and I already had such a long list. <laughs> yeah. See, there's the volcano, the mummy okay. type people thing. <laughs> it's not quite mummies. Yeah. Exactly. I guess that begs the question: Was the volcano a movement of nature to cure overpopulation? Oh, well, obviously. Oh man. <laughs> that was just Vulcan or Hephaestus, you know, depending on your bent, getting angry. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so I think that is we are nearing Wait, the time. I had, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I had something I wanted to add about <laughs> Thanos that I I forgot to, or not about Thanos, but about Infinity War, if I could. Um, Definitely. Just real quick, that uh, one of my favorite quotes from Infinity War is when Vision um, offers. For the, the, it basically suggests that the quickest way to defeat Thanos is to destroy one of the Infinity Stones, namely the one that kind of gives him his existence. And um, Captain America says, no, we don't trade in lives. And um, We don't deal in trading. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's we don't trade in lives. Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. Pretty sure. But we can argue about it later. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> but, That's um, what it's about, baby. Uh <laughs> basically that uh that i thought it was really kind of pertinent particularly like to embryonic stem cell research you know the idea that Mm, that we do not take one human and sacrifice them for for another human being especially one that in the case of embryonic stem cell research that is not even volunteering to do this you know versus vision actually was volunteering right um and of course, we cannot do good by doing evil. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, not even getting into the whole thing of like that adult stem cells have been more effective and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but what was interesting, I thought was I was I was looking for that quote. Um, and what I found was a bunch of memes of people saying like Captain America says this, but then has no problem 
going to battle with all these Wakandans and sacrificing all of their lives and stuff and trying to turn it into this thing as though Captain America is somehow inconsistent in that way. And um, mm-hmm. what struck me was how that's something that with through kind of that philosophical background that we were talking about that like that as Catholics we have is that we recognize that just because the ends are the same doesn't mean that the means are equal. And the mm-hmm. idea that so many people honestly don't see the difference between them, which of course they do end up attempting to kill, or they don't, but but Scarlet Witch does, does end up trying to kill Vision. But that there is a distinct intrinsic difference in sacrificing a person, <laughs> in killing them to try to save other people um, intentionally killing them, willfully killing them, versus going to war with people and fighting to try to save, <laughs> to try to save every. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, and this is clearly this is legitimate defense, right? Because bad dudes has stated know, his intentions so, very clearly. Yeah, and they're attacking your home country. And I mean, these aren't just some other sovereign nation, right? That's trying to get land. These are. I don't, what are those crazy looking things in Black Panther? They're like, you know, hell beasts or something like yeah. that. Right. <laughs> they look like things out of the Hunger Games. Right. Well, and when, oh, and when yeah. you say he's attacking their home country, by home country we mean the universe because he's attacking yeah. like yeah. everyone. And specifically Wakanda. Right, yeah. right, right. But he, I mean, he's attacking everyone. And just, just, I was just kind of blown away by the fact that people honestly mm-hmm. thought, that pe- people honestly think that Captain America is somehow wrong in saying we don't trade in lives because then he's willing to go fight with other people, even though some of them will lose their lives, you know? Well, with a name like Captain America, of course he's going to be wrong, right? All the time. Right, right. Every day. <laughs> All yeah. day, every day. Middle, middle-aged, cisgendered white man. I mean, you can't say anything right. Yeah, facial hair. Um, yeah. so why found the script, why didn't we kill Captain America? That would have <laughs> solved everything. <laughs> found the script, we don't trade lives. We don't trade That's lives. what he says. Oh, okay, I'm wrong. So surprised. That's, I'm just kidding. Well, you were wrong too. <laughs> I'm closer. You were closer. Closer. Married life. It's all Married about who's closer. Mm, bliss. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Have we squeezed all the juice out of Thanos? <laughs> Probably not. There's so much. No, there. we're talking about him next week. That's how. Well, I guess here's well, here's another one. Here's another. One. So I found an article that I actually talked about what you're talking about, but. Uh, one of the questions I guess we can kind of end with just on a cliffhanger. So we talk about overpopulation getting to a certain point, you know, like what is the actual, I guess, equilibrium where things are just kind of smooth and, and on, on coasting. Uh, Cause one of the paragraphs from this article says, of course, life being what it is, it would eventually overpopulate again. And Thanos would have to do this thing again. Yeah. But if he's willing to call every few centuries, he would theoretically achieve gargantuan boost and net welfare and you know fullness over time he would be hated but he would have produced more net utility than any being in history what he would be god so basically he oh, that's just a whole chain of bad things right right so that's what i'm saying it's like it's a perpetual cycle that you know you you do this snap once but that doesn't stop the population from growing again and so like you know who then is going to step up and do this this act that needs to be done so like what end if we talk about you know if we talk about abortion we talk about euthanasia like even if those quote-unquote have good ends that are intended that people may think is twisted when does it actually stop right Mm -hmm. 
Right. And I I love when a villain like is primary mover of the character is a is a is a, a, a philosophy um and or specifically a heresy right i think that is there is so much richness to be um you know dark riches to be uh plundered um uh, making villains out of these terrible philosophies as opposed to uh you know he uh his family was killed and um had a bad experience in nam and now he's the punisher it's kind of interesting to think about that like within the the marvel universe i feel like the the greatest villains are the ones that do have some sort of very very uh deeply held philosophy and the heroes too have have a philosophy they kind of cling to and that the like i'm kind of thinking iron man out of all of them he may be the he may be the one that's the most sort of lacking in a philosophy or i don't know him and spider-man maybe and um that isn't that <laughs> we're kind of just a teenager yeah it's true um I, I love iron man like i'm not trying to diss iron man but that like to an extent like a lot of the problems <laughs> that they run into as a whole perhaps kind of stem from the fact that a lot of times iron man's kind of flying by the seat of his pants as far as what he's fighting for to an extent you know like so basically just that that the greatest heroes kind of come from having like a well thought out deeply held set of beliefs yeah you know and I, and, and sticking with yeah. them well i guess to that kind of points at one of the theories where you know thanos and iron man are not equals but you know when he tells him you know you're not the only one cursed with knowledge you know you talk about iron man flying by the seat of his pants but i think one of the reasons he actually does fight and one of the reasons he is involved is because he does feel responsible with all the stuff that he yeah, knows. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if he doesn't do it, who else the, will? Yeah. Right. If you watch the first Iron Man movie, like you can really capture like what Iron Man's essence is, uh, like why he does what he does, and it's because of that interaction mm-hmm. he had with that soldier in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I forget exactly what the line was, um, uh, but. But basically, he saw that it was his missiles that caused this, mm-hmm. and so oh, like mm-hmm. that's what like he was he was building a relationship with this guy. They were having a great time, and all of a sudden, his missiles destroyed everything. Right, and so he kind of turned his life around at that point, uh, felt feeling that responsibility. I think it would be cool to draw parallels between the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, prudence understanding fortitude fear of the lord wisdom counsel knowledge uh, and the avengers <laughs> right we talked about maybe iron man um knowledge mm-hmm. uh fortitude captain america you know uh counsel for the vision you know i mean i feel like wisdom would also be a really like captain america like out of all of them he or i guess also vision you know yeah. he has vision he does <laughs> He does. But, uh, I mean, would fear of the Lord be Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> and and just to be clear, I wasn't saying Iron Man doesn't have any philosophy. Obviously, he does. Oh, clearly you hate him. We I get hate it. Him. I hate him so much. <laughs> Obviously, he does. He has a philosophy of pursuing what is good and of saving lives, you know. But just that it's almost kind of like, I don't know, like, like Iron Man is kind of like someone, like an Old Testament 
father or something <laughs> like like really this tremendous desire for good but still not quite in full possession of of all the information you know <laughs> and whereas like <laughs> yeah. whereas captain america is like like but i but like really we know what we need <laughs> you know like he more knows what's up <laughs> you know yeah and the 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 question would have to be asked like where do we go with the avengers like did we go back to the beginning uh did we mm-hmm. pull to the end like what avengers set are we talking about oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah that is in flux constantly that is yeah, like yeah. the nerdiest thing i've ever heard like the nerdiest <laughs> dilemma I've ever oh heard. <laughs> well join us next week when we will uh Attempt to try to for the lively be even nerdier. <laughs> <laughs> and you know reciprocate so you can also become nerdier uh, we Amen. have an upcoming <laughs> we have uh one of our first uh guests is coming up uh that might be the next podcast or the one after that his name's zach mabry who y'all might remember as porky from the little rascals he's a catholic convert and uh he'll be joining us soon to talk about quality catholic nerdery so thank you for uh nerding out with us the catholic nerds we hope your <laughs> nerd power levels have increased Please do subscribe to this podcast and share with all your friends, Over Catholic 9, or not. Sorry. <laughs> Over 9,000. <laughs> Power level. Fade to and black. <laughs> <laughs>